It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're joined today, as always, by our All-22 film review pal, Mike Santaga, to find him on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. He's got all the interesting clips and observations from the Bengals' resounding victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as usual, there are three themes to talk about from a film review perspective that we're going to get into today. One of them is the rushing offense, which has been incredibly successful for the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about what's new and what's improving and why the run game is looking good. Going into, by the way, the Bengals' upcoming game against the worst rushing defense in the NFL. And one of the better passing defenses in the NFL. So, uh, you know, we'll start looking ahead to the Chargers game in a couple days. But we're going to start rush offense. We're going to go defense and some of the cool late rotations that the Bengals got away from against the Jets, but brought back against the Steelers. And this is something that we've talked about in the past and that we like seeing. And then some interesting screens with Jamar Chase and how T. Higgins is benefiting from how defenses are playing against Chase in the passing game is where we will wrap things up. Mike, let's start rushing offense. Frank Pollock said he didn't care what front he was going to see. He's <laughs> going to run it at all of them. When you watch the tape, obviously against the Steelers, there was an emphasis going outside left tackle behind Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain. Was Frank Pollock being honest? Is he is he ready to run wide zone at bare fronts? And if he is, what's making that work as this team starts to gel in Frank Pollock's running game? Yeah, uh, he's honest about running into any front. I do think that he noticed a personnel matchup with Alex Highsmith on one side on every snap and TJ Watt on the other side that he said, I'll run wide zone into any front, any <laughs> any situation, uh, mostly to the left <laughs> to attack that guy but uh, and stay away from TJ, who'd be pretty good at taking on the reach block. But uh, yeah, so they, yeah, they got a bare front. They ran it. Um, Specifically, one of the plays, I believe it was against a bear front, they get a nice a nice combo uh, from Jonah and Spain, who were absolutely killing it all game with their combos. I mean, that's why it was like it felt like 10 yards of carry to the left side on wide zone. And uh, so you get that combo up to the linebacker. And what made me really happy was I saw Trey Hopkins turn and he sealed Cam Hayward at nose tackle. I was like, ooh, <laughs> that's I mean, that's the key block there in this wide zone. Is you you have the center covered, you have the guard covered, you have the tackle covered. So they had a tight end over there to take the end, and then had the combo to the linebacker on the tackle. You got your bare front would be nose tackle on each side, end on each side. So the comboed up, you can t- took care of the end took care of the tackle. You got the nose and you're single blocking this nose with Trey Hopkins. And if you told me you're going to single block Cam Hayward with Trey Hopkins going into the game, I would go, 
is he ready? <laughs> because he hasn't he hasn't looked ready for that this season. But yeah, he sealed him. That was a real nice play. And yeah, they got into over fronts, under fronts, and none of it mattered because it would just be Jonah and Quinton blowing out the left side, creating a massive hole, sealing a linebacker, and Mixon able to just run behind them. The only time they ever finally stopped the wide zone was when they told their backside end, hey, you don't have containment responsibilities anymore. Just chase him down because he's on block because he's playing the quarterback keeper. So once they did that, they got a few, and then they almost gave up a touchdown to T on a keeper play. So <laughs> pros and cons. What's, what, as far as this running game goes, is that – is that the biggest difference? Because it's not just last week, right? It's it's the past couple of weeks. They've gotten things going, mixing 30 carries against the Raiders, 28 uh, last week. Is it specifically behind the left side? Are they going behind both sides? Was that just a TJ Watt thing? And is there a huge difference on film from what you've seen if you compare this line specifically in the run game to where they were a month, two months ago? The run game's definitely better, and I, I I think some of it is guys are starting to gel a little bit more together. And early in the season, I don't think Quentin Spain and Jonah Williams were quite having these double teams and these combos where they're really driving guys off the ball because maybe a guy got there a quarter of a second late, but when you're a quarter of a second late, it's more like one hand than the other rather than both hands at the same time. So once you start getting the synergy and the timing all right and – the other change that, I, that I've seen, well, in the Raiders game, they really wanted to run duo for some reason, and it wasn't working in the first half. And then they started really pounding wide zone and uh, a little bit of crack toss and lead toss, that stuff, later in the game. And that's when Mixon really started going. So I think it's their staple play. It's their bread and butter. When they get the wide zone going, I mean, they're a really tough offense to stop. Um, but, yeah, the other thing I was going to mention is that the one change I have seen since the bye week is that they'll finally, they jet motion towards the play side of wide zone. And you might think that's counterintuitive and it could be. <laughs> um, but what you really get there is that you always, the defense will usually have in a one high structure like this. Um, you're going to motion the ZE zebra, whatever you want to call them. He's going to move over to the play side, get your nice little blocks in there, but not necessarily matters. What I'm talking about here is you'll get the movement here of, unless they're going to follow it with the star here, the nickel corner, he'll just bump over to the tight end. Your strong safety rotates back and your free safety rotates down. And when you think about a team such as the Raiders, who Jonathan Abram is a really nice, he's a really good run stopper, but he's not great deep in the deep middle of the field. You kind of force that action unless they want to chase him all the way across with the nickel corner. And when you're playing cover three, not a common thing to follow a guy like that. So you get the safety rotation and that'll get you a personnel matchup with a free safety rather than their strong safety who they want down there. And also, sometimes it creates a better angle because you'll get the linebackers to overcommit. You get guys to cheat down a little bit towards the play side. And you saw Mixon hit, I think, three backside C-gap off of the backside tackle off of him for a nice gain. So a few reasons you want to do that. And it worked out really well against Pittsburgh and worked out well against the Raiders too. It's something that I mentioned earlier, the, earlier this season would be the next step 
in the evolution for the run game for in the early season, it was okay. More jet motion under center is part of the run game. More jet motion is part of the passing game to make it all fit together. Right. And then as the season went on, it was, Hey, this thing, the Rams do that the Bengals haven't really done yet. The Rams being the model, of course, of all this wide zone stuff that we're talking about, maybe not the model, but Zach Taylor's model, certainly and his pedigree is, is a jet motion in the direction of the run. Because as you mentioned, in these single high defensive structures, so take the upcoming opponent, the the uh, L.A. Chargers, for example, say they want Derwin James in the box, and Derwin James is good everywhere, but maybe you want to get Derwin James out of the box for these running plays. You want to get Nasir Adderley, who I think is more of a free safety type. I could be wrong about that, but I believe he's more of their deep middle fielder kind of guy or center fielder kind of safety. You want to get him in the box instead because you feel better about your matchup and blocking him than Derwin James, who is, uh, you know, a linebacker in a safety's body in a lot of ways. Jer- Jeremiah Wusukormoa before JOK went to the Browns and is tracking down Lamar Jackson kind of thing. So uh, makes a lot of sense from an evolution perspective there, I think. And I think the other part of this is, as you mentioned, Trey Hopkins playing better. Quentin Spain, Jonah Williams developing that chemistry. And, and Joe Mixon... And, and Frank Pollock finding this chemistry because Mixon's vision and his cutback ability and his acceleration are still the things making this work. And you really saw that on that big cutback you talked about all the way behind the play. And then seeing the Bengals start to put in some of these ways to punish defenses for, for selling out to stop things is, is really nice too. You'd like to see this a little bit more integrated and maybe if the game isn't a blowout, you see more of it. But the, the, the rollout left the naked boot to T Higgins on the left side you see the end crash. There's nobody there for contain as you talk about. So you start to see these concepts building on the wide zone base. And this is how the offense can continue to take steps forward. We're going to go away from the offense for a minute. Talk defense and some of the things Lou and Arumo's guys are doing next before we get back to the passing offense to finish up the show. Bet online is the number one spot to bet on all your favorite sports. So whether It's Joe Burrow for comeback player of the year, and him and Dak Prescott seem to be neck and neck in that department. Maybe you want to bet on the Bengals to win the AFC North or even the Super Bowl. You can do all of that and so much more in one spot. BetOnline.ag. Go there now. Check out their new updated website. It is so easy to use. User-friendly. You can even do it on your phone. There mobile website is, uh, is what I usually use, and it's really, really easy and simple and Best of all, right now you're going to get some free money if you go there. So go to betonline.ag, and when you sign up and you make that first deposit, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that simple. Betonline.ag promo code Locked On get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So check them out right now. Betonline.ag. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Talked a lot about the offense. Mike's starting to talk about the Bengals finding matchups they like on offense in the run game against the Steelers. I think we'll see more of that against the Chargers this week. I think we're seeing this with the receivers as well. And we'll get back to how Jamar Chase has changed T. Higgins' life in the last week in segment three. Before we go there, we're going to inter interlay those layers. That's not correct grammar, but you get the idea. We're going to put a defensive conversation in the middle here and Mike, the, the defense has taken a big step back the last couple of weeks after we were ready to write him off as a mirage and leave him for dead. What has driven the strong performances, in your opinion, now two weeks in a row? Yeah, so that would have made me look dumb because I wrote an article like after week four or five that I was like, hey, this defense is legit. And then I was right for like two more weeks. And then well, what happened to me was I was – this happened in the Jets game. They were running all these creepers, these simulated pressures, these things, these late rotations, and it makes all the sense in the world. I talked about it. And when you're facing Mike White, you want to muddy it up. You want to muddy his look up because he's faced cover three since he was probably 12 years old. He's an NFL quarterback. Um, and then they just stopped at halftime, and Mike White goes off and has his career best game. I'm pretty confident saying that'll probably be his career best game. <laughs> and uh, on the other end, uh, they face Baker Mayfield and it feels like everybody wants to do that to Baker Mayfield. They want to make him hold the ball an extra second and then he's late on the one throw. So he has to try to create out of structure and he's terrible at that. And when he's on, he's in rhythm, he's on strut, he's in structure, he's working keepers and nakeds off wide zone, all that stuff. Similar, like what the Bengals want to do a little bit. Um, a lot of teams in the NFL do, but that he's good. He's got good accuracy. He's able to stand in there, make his throws. And then once you muddy that up, it becomes a little bit tougher. Ben Roethlisberger is actually the type of guy that I'm more like, well, he's kind of seen everything. So um, I don't know about muddying everything up, but they did it and did it really well. You could see him pump multiple times where he thought he had a look that he liked, and then they rotate and change the skies, do all this stuff. And then he's like, ah, crap, I don't have that one. I'm a, I need to go over here. And this happens specifically on the Trey Hendrickson strip sack. He pumps because he thinks he has a guy. And then he's like, okay, I got to get to my second, my third read. And by then he goes to make the throw and Trey Hendrickson gets the strip sack. And same thing that happened in the Sam Hubbard sack. He, he's trying to waddle up through the pocket to maybe make a play. Or I don't think he planned on running that far, but <laughs> uh that's because they took away the first read, the second read, taking away the early reads. And this is a lot what they did against Lamar Jackson too, where you disguise, you muddy up the picture because when you're the, when you're the quarterback, a lot of times you have this side as if it's single high, this side, if it's too high, this is man, this is zone. And when the defense starts muddying that picture up, you can't go right away. Okay. Well, this looks like single high, but they've, they've rotated and moved a safety back like three times this game. So I can't trust that until I see it. And then you're going to be late on your throw. You're going to be a little bit off on your timing. So what they're doing really to me is just, they've gotten a lot better at disguising their coverages again, which is something they did earlier in the year. Base downs, they kind of just play what they play on these mixed downs because they really like the run defense and it's been good. So I understand, especially Najee Harris was under three yards of carry. And when he's not going, that Steelers offense isn't going. So I understood that. But then you get to third down, they bring in a third safety. It gets really fun to watch for me. But I can see from a quarterback perspective, like, okay, this is confusing or tough to figure out. So basically, if, if they were able to confuse Ben Roethlisberger, 
at least some, get him to delay. And I get it. He's got the arm of Jake Lisko, not of, of Justin <laughs> Herbert. I understand that. So there's a, a big difference in their games. And that's not even an insult to Jake. He's a professional quarterback and uh, he's, he's rolling with, you know, uh, Jake's pea shooter right now. So if that's the case, they should be able to confuse a second year quarterback in Justin Herbert, right? I mean, that, that, that's, how, that's how I hear that. As you said it, I was like, all right, well, if they could confuse Big Ben, who's played in Super Bowls, and really the only thing he should be able to bank on right now, if it's not his physicality, and clearly it's not, he doesn't have those physical tools and traits anymore, it's his brain. And not that he was the most cerebral quarterback ever, because I don't think he was, and I don't think he worked hard enough, you know, playbook-wise or anything like that. We're not talking about Drew Brees or Tom Brady, but still, I think they should be able to at least confuse Justin Herbert a little bit. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, to be fair to Jake, I think I've got the same thing. I tore my labrum and uh, I can't throw things very far at all anymore. So it could be me too. Um, but I think Jake's arm's fine, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's actually Mike Mike Santagata's arm that Ben Roethlisberger is dealing with. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, if they do the same type of stuff, they bring in the three safety sets on these third downs. And what you have to do is you obviously have to stop the run and play well on the what I call mixed downs, first and 10, your second and five, to get them into these third and five, six plus so that they can rotate and do all this crazy stuff because it, it looks so smart when you get into the double mug look and you drop out into a cover two with the linebacker running the, running the pool in Tampa two. It looks smart when, against the pass. If they did that against the run, linebacker got his back turned running backwards. <laughs> they just got a running back running down the middle. It's like, okay, hold on. This this might have been a bad idea, but yeah. So when you get them into these third and longs and you know that they're going to pass the ball, that's when you can do all this stuff. So it's one thing that leads to the other. And long way to say, yes, I think that if they do this and they do it well, just like they did this week against the Chargers, it should, in theory, confuse – I haven't watched too much of him this year, but he's a young quarterback, and, I mean, hey, I think Joe Burrow is a really smart guy, but he gets got by this a little bit too sometimes. He's just don't have the reps at this speed. College was a slower game. Uh, so he doesn't have the – he doesn't have, still doesn't have the reps at this speed to see all these different disguises and movements not to make any mistakes. So to me, that's a key to beating the Chargers is to muddy things up for Justin Herbert, confuse him, maybe even – get the line a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Is Storm Norton still starting at right tackle? Maybe you can get him with a somebody, Sam Hubbard drops in the coverage and a guy comes off the edge. So it's confusing them, getting pressure, all that stuff. And and they have had injuries along that remade offensive line. Brian Bulaga's out. He's on IR. Ode Ibushi's on IR. Uh, Matt Filer's questionable, I think, right now for this week. So They've got Rashawn Slater, J.C. Treader, two of their offseason acquisitions, and a bunch of backups on the offensive line. You I mean think. Corey Lindsley? Corey Lindsley, yep. The other good center. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my bad. Uh, they, they have injuries, though, on the interior, on the right side, so there are some vulnerabilities. And the other thing is Justin Herbert, it's been pointed out, has been in a bit of a funk. And this is Joe Woods in, in L.A. now, right? Uh, offensive coordinator? No, he's a defensive coordinator. Joe Lombardi. Oh. Joe Lombardi. Yeah, Joe Woods was a Cleveland. Joe. Yeah, my bad. Again, I'm just making mistakes today. That's all right. Uh, Joe Burrow yeah. is the Bengals quarterback. Joe Mixon plays running back. Go ahead. I got those. Joe Goodberry, former co-host of Locked On Bengals. Lots of Joes. Never heard all of right. him. All right. To be oh. fair. Yeah. Who's that? Um, but point is the, the LA offense under fire a little bit for making Justin Herbert 
pretty much into a game manager style quarterback, not taking shots downfield, throwing everything underneath, a lot of stick routes, a lot of stuff the defenses are starting to sit on. And part of that is probably a product of their offensive line right now, as we've seen the Bengals have to do this, right? If they're in a pure drop back mode. But when you take the first part of the show and, and the preview of the, the Chargers run defense, the second part of the show we just talked about where control the Chargers, Austin Eckler running offense, make them convert on third downs, try to confuse Justin Herbert. There's a very clear narrative here. Get the Chargers into passing situations, game script, right? So going to be really interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. Also going to be interesting to see how the Chargers and their top five passing defense chooses to approach this game. Brandon Staley known for liking to stay too high and take away the deep stuff. But when you got a running game like Joe Mixon coming to town and a myriad of weapons, like the Bengals have, well, he's going to have to make a choice and pick his poison. We'll talk about how the passing offense is evolving coming up next. Built Bars are the number one protein bar on the planet. And look, I've had one today. I might have a second one here while they're breaking down the film. It's making me hungry. So whether you got the uh, cookie dough right here, cookie dough chunk, maybe you want a little blueberry muffin action, there is something for everyone. And if you're new to the podcast, you're probably like, what do you mean built bars are the number one protein bar on the planet? Well, imagine this a protein bar, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, covered in 100% chocolate. That's perfect for on the go, perfect for post workout if you want that protein punch that way. Or maybe you just want a, a healthier snack as we approach the new year during this holiday season. Well, built bar has something for you. So check them out right now at built.com. And right now you're going to get 15% off your next order with promo code LOCK15. It's that simple. Built.com, promo code LOCK15. Check them out right now and start enjoying the best protein bars on the planet. I had a Built Bar today. Wasn't even a coconut brownie chunk. I'm saving that you. for tomorrow. You're winning. Look, I Jake Lisko undefeated on a Tuesday night. That's what that I mean, is. I'm, I mixed up with Joe, but you know, it happens. So, and, and, and suddenly you have a Ben Roethlisberger arm, but uh, either way, it, I think if you eat honest. a couple more built bars, you'd be all right. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Uh, one real quick stat before we get to the passing offense. I was looking for this while, while Mike was talking about disguise coverages and we're talking about fooling Big Ben this year. This is a tweet from Context Matters on November 17th. PFF quarterback passing grade against disguise coverage, meaning a change post-snap, minimum 200 dropbacks. Joe Burrow, number two in the NFL against disguise coverage, 82.9 passing grade. Justin Herbert, number five in the NFL, 82.5 passing grade against disguise coverage. Ben Roethlisberger, 
fourth worst Ooh. in the NFL. 60.2. I guess you can't confuse old man Ben. <laughs> old man Ben. It's not just his arm, it's his brain that's going too. Luckily, not an issue for the Bengals, who have a very smart quarterback. And I think some guys in Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor that are figuring out how to attack uh, defenses a little bit more consistently and take advantage of matchups. I think we've seen that between the coordinator and head coach and Burrow in the last couple of weeks. The Bengals offense finding opportunistic passing opportunities. And I know I repeated opportunity there, but Chase getting more attention. We've seen Tyler Boyd have his moments this year. We've seen CJ Uzama have his moments this year. We've seen now T Higgins have a massive game and Randy Moss people, Moss people. Mike, when you look at this passing game, what are the the standouts that the Bengals have used to answer the adjustments to try to take away Chase? Yeah, so I drew this one out because it was my favorite uh, play of the weekend, at least from a design standpoint. So what you get here, Sorry, trying to get that right. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see it. If not, I'll try to explain it. So it's a GT counter, which means the guard and tackle, GT, are going to pull through. And one's going to block out the end. The other one's going to pull up to the linebacker. Uh, the other guys are just going to block down, try to wash it down. You leave the backside end unblocked. He's kind of your read man, him and the linebacker. For Z here on this, or Jamar Chase, motions out and runs a little flare a little flare screen over there. So then Burrow's just making the decision. Is that linebacker hard flowing the chase or is he following what's hard to see as a linebacker? You see two guys pooling and you say, Oh crap, I got to get over. <laughs> so he starts running over so they don't get sealed 10 yards away from the play. And then that leaves, that was the play that uh, chase ended up doing a little spin move and gaining 10 yards. And they run another similar play to that, but chase wasn't out of the backfield this time. It was just a, a smoke screen, I believe, from a stack. And instead of a GT counter, it was a still a guard pooling, but it was like a long trap play. And what those do are they're going to suck in your linebackers, just like I talked about. Because when you're a linebacker, a lot of times your read is guard, guard, back to the running back. That's like a triangle that you're reading the whole time. It's like that when this on the snap, are guards pooling? Because up until somewhat recently, uh, I mean, you did, but I feel like it's become more in vogue that guards are pulling on RPOs, which haven't always existed, at least in this form, and on play-action plays. Now you're getting a lot more of that, but from the traditional standpoint, you're reading them because, hey, these guys are pulling a guard. They wouldn't do that on a pass play. So then you're going to try to get over because, I mean, when you're a linebacker and you see a guard pull, you've got to flow fast if it's a run play so you can get over the top of that. and. And then you pull two guys like that play, and then you, you really got to get on your horse. But so you're pulling in the linebackers that way. The backside end, he just ends up in no man's land doing nothing on the play because, well, other than the almost pick that <laughs> Mixon saved, uh, unless they can do that, then uh, they're not really having much of an effect on the play. And on the other end, it's what I talked about. It's Jamar Chase is actually really good after the catch. I don't think enough people talked about it during the draft cycle where they just kind of say, yeah, he's good at everything. He, he, he's good at <laughs> James. You may have, <laughs> I, I wrote about it when I did my, when I did my scouting report, I was like, this guy's got, Freak. yeah, he's got yeah. calves that are the size of like Devonte Smith's chest. Uh, he's built like a running back, man. He can he run is. right through contact. Uh, I just, I think some people didn't see him do 
three juke moves and run all the way across the field and then run all the way back and <laughs> do that. He just runs through guys. Uh, mean, mean wide receiver, mean running back type player. Kind of T.O. used to do that. But uh, so you throw that little flare screen and 10 yards. You throw the smoke screen, 10 yards. And that they're shading the safeties to him. So you're not getting these deep shots the same way. So this is a way to get him involved early. And I mean, if a guy, if the defense starts cheating on Mixon, then you're going to have those one-on-one shots. But until they start doing that, then this is a really nice way to get them going. I think this is the week where we could see that, right? The Chargers have seen now 58 carries the past two weeks for Mixon. The Bengals clearly know that, you know, have established themselves as a team that can run the ball. I think we might see some one-on-one where, where Jamar Chase gets his shots this week. And that's, to me, Mike, that's the fun part about this offense and how it's evolved. And I talked about it earlier this week. It, it feels like they can beat you in a bunch of different ways. And if Sunday's game is a shootout and it's Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow and it's everything that CBS wants it to be in the NFL got wrong because they should have flexed it a few weeks ago, uh, then I I think the Bengals can keep up because they have a weapon like Chase. I think he completely changes the offense in how they can go about certain things like you mentioned. Yeah, um, absolutely. There was a lot there, I know. Yeah, when you get that shaded coverage like – uh, we saw this week, T. Higgins, it's single high, one-on-one, and it plays out a little bit like it's cover zero because that safety is not making it from beyond the opposite hash all the way over top of him. And when you get T. Higgins one-on-one with James Pierre, uh, that's a shot Joe Burrow was willing to take and did throw a pick once. But other than that, <laughs> that didn't go to Pierre. It was a great play from Minka. But when it, when the safety was fully shaded to Chase, and Chase is running a vertical route too, just easy just you've put your worst cornerback on t and you've given him no help like i know he had his struggles but he's still a very good player and you saw it this weekend and hopefully he's going to get going the thing with the chargers is it, it becomes a philosophy thing where they really believe in being too high and trying to play the run out of that spill everything and we get, we'll get there in time but they don't really have the front to play this type of defense to me uh, other than bosa um so it becomes a philosophy. It's like, do we just keep letting them do that because they're not going off for 70 yard touchdowns and we're keeping it in front of us, even though they're having eight minute drives down the field uh, or, or do you bring a guy down and you kind of shade your safety towards chase kind of like the Steelers were doing where you're trying to live in both worlds and you end up getting beat in <laughs> both worlds because they still were able to run the ball and still threw the ball up to T. So um I think that'll be an interesting battle to see Brandon Staley's philosophy versus what's happening in the game. Cause I do think if they're going to play these light fronts, I didn't think this before the bye week but since the bye week if they're going to play the light fronts, I think the Bengals will take advantage of it by running the ball. It'll also be interesting to see if we get the return of, of Haas juke against the two high stuff. If the Bengals go empty and you see the chargers stay too high and, and, I mean, I'm, I know you can rotate a safety down and play a robber and try to take that away a little bit to get an extra guy down in the box if you want to. But that's a play that we saw the Bengals use ad nauseum, really, early in the season against the Jaguars, for example, and haven't really seen it since the the late interception, the overtime interception uh, against the Packers. So I wonder if we'll see a return of that as well. But Regardless, there are some things from a matchup perspective, from a trend perspective, from a productivity to date perspective that make this pretty attractive in a lot of ways, I think, for the Bengals 
ready to take on the Chargers coming off of what they've done the last couple of weeks. Obviously, there's some work to do, and the Chargers have a little bit more going for them at quarterback than did the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll see how the disguise stuff works out this week, right? Talking about the uh, PFF passing grade against disguise. And Justin Herbert been pretty good against that, but how much will his own offensive coordinator limit him? As the Twitter streets are saying, Justin Herbert, man, he's back at Oregon. He's being limited by his <laughs> offense, by his scheme. And we'll see how much that's the case this weekend. We're going to shift gears and start focusing on the Bengals game against the Chargers starting tomorrow, which will be our crossover. Until then, Bengals fans, we thank Mike Santagata, as always, for his film insights. For James Rapine, I'm Jake Lisko. Thanks for listening. Hootay, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.